Right, I'm hitting record. Um, Hitting record. The show has started. Mm -hmm. A couple hours from now, the show will be done. And yesterday, we, for the first time in quite some time, actually started the show right away. And I thought it had a nice feel, so let's do that again. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studio in Puerto Aventuras, Mexico. From our well-equipped Dominican Republic facility with Muskoka chairs on a sandy ocean beach. And from Lisa's dining room table next to Sticks and a Vase. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and Lender's Choice Mortgages. And now here are two men who think everyone should listen to this podcast or Russians can do whatever the hell they want. You gotta pay. It's Humble and Fred. Yes, it is. Very interesting show today. Interesting, I'll tell you. Bill Brio joins us, as he often does. We'll talk television. You know, I, I saw his rundown. It's a lot of neat stuff there. He was down in Los Angeles. So a lot of neat stuff. A lot of neat stuff. We're very lucky to he have him. He rubbed elbows, eh? He hobnobbed with, a, with famous he did, people. He did what with his knob? <laughs> he hobnobbed. <laughs> he did. Mm-hmm. He hobnobbed. Mean? Hobnob means, you know, to mingle with uh, people. <laughs> yeah, Hobnob so, right. with the upper crust. Yeah. So for those in of, this instance, what's the, a hob? Well, for those of you who didn't get when Fred said hobnob, um, let's go ahead, Dan. What's your question? Well, I don't know what the hob part of the knob is. What's a hob? Well, if you don't know what the hob part of the knob is, no one does. Because <laughs> I'm sure the hob part of your knob is like an umbrella. Okay, here we go. Well, you started it. Well, I didn't mean to. I guess I should have the knob part. But you know, you ask a hobby. knob. You ask this. You ask this group a knob question. You're going to get one. You're going to get a knob answer. Uh, Fred, what does it mean? It's this close and friendly relationship. I, I, I'm looking for the breakdown of hob and knob at this point. Um, mm, all right, yeah, the origins of hob and knob. I'm, I'm just going. What does hob knob mean in slang? Uh, and then right down to: Is it rude to call someone a knob? <laughs> is it? I guess. <laughs> anyway, hobnob is something. Well, you know, it's something, it's something I've heard over the years, and I just threw it out there. I didn't know. Yeah, it was going well, to we've be all dissected. heard it. I think we've all heard it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little concerned. I mean, listen, Fred's putting on a brave face, and it's all ha ha, funny man. Everything's cool, man. You know, but I mean, inside, I see, you know, I mean, I know what's going on on the inside, and it's part of a phenomenon. Uh, this story, it's called gray divorce, getting more prevalent in Canada, and why it's oh, yeah. a concern. And uh, Dan, uh, Fred just got there last uh, Wednesday. Last Wednesday, yes, Fred's been in the Dominican for less than a week. It'll be a week tomorrow. And this morning, prior to the show, announces that uh, Dolls had enough. (laughs) (laughs) Dolls had enough. Yep. Now, I visited with the Pattersons, you know, not as a counselor, but more as a spiritual leader. I was visiting with the Pattersons before uh, we all came down here. I had to drop into Freddy's and grab a microphone. And then they seemed great, you know, always such a nice couple to hang with. But... This morning, the sad news that the Pattersons are separating for the first time since 1982, you said? Yes, actually. Yeah, Delise booked her return flight March 14th. And let's be honest, that was the plan going in. Back in August when I booked this, you know, the trip, 
the condo, the flights. We just thought it would be easier to book it two months and then adjust. I paid a little extra so we could adjust the flights midterm. And so that was always the plan. It's just um, Buddy Doug's wife, Laverne, is going home, too, because she has some things she's got to go home for. So they decided to pick a date that would work for both of them was March 14th. Yeah. And how, how much how much earlier is she bugging out then? Like in, in almost a month, really. More, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're right. 26, 27 days. Back in 1982, when I worked at CFNY, this hockey club, this minor league hockey club, came to CFNY to David Marsden and said, we're doing this tournament in Germany, and I forget how it worked. Could you help us sponsor it? Uh, and Marsden said, yes, we, we can help you with that, but you got to give us a one of the trips and then he called me in and he said do you want to go and i said david i can't i'm you know this was december melanie had been born in september i said i can't leave i'd love to it's you know austria germany whatever so i went home and told delise and i said you know marston calls me and asked me if i want to go to europe for two weeks as if i can do that with with melanie being a month or two old and she goes do it you're not going to get an opportunity to like that. Do it. I'll just go to my mom's for a couple of weeks or your mom's. It'll, they'll help me. It'll be fine. Do it. So I did that. My little baby was like two, three months old. And I took off for two weeks. That's the, that's the type of woman I'm married to. And since then, we've never been apart for more than two weeks ever. In oh, Canada. So that's a great coming. story. That's a great story. Yeah. I wish, you know, I only, I only wish there was music to it. Well, you mm-hmm. were telling. Uh, in Canada, Dan, the average age for divorce has been steadily rising, uh, partly because people are increasingly getting married at a later age. Over the last three decades, the country has seen a rise in gray divorce when couples aged 50 and older split up. There seems well, to be less of a stigma around divorce, and older couples are more willing to end their marriage if they're not happy. I think part of it is, what were you going to say? Do you want to jump? I'm just going to. No, no, no. Go ahead. You well, finish. No, but part, of, part of it is that, you know, human beings 50 years ago when the divorce rate was much lower, you know, we weren't living that, that long. You'd get to, you know, 45 or 50 and you're only going to live another 20 years. You're like, all right, whatever. But now people in their 50s look forward. Like, you know, I, I got divorced when I was 54 years old because you think, okay, a lot of gray uh, divorces happen because you're like, okay, I'm going to be on the planet maybe 30 more years. I don't know mm-hmm. if I can do this. Absolutely. So with you and Delise, you're just right in that sweet spot where Doll's like, I don't know if I got another 20 years left of the, yeah. the Fred man. <laughs> Listen, um, and there's some other factors. Number one, women aren't nearly as submissive as they used to be. Sure. Back in the 50s and 60s where the man ruled the home and they didn't have a lot to say about anything. It's true. Secondly, um, back in those days, a lot of women didn't work. They were home all day. So they were a different mindset. Again, and that, sub- and that submissive thing played into it. But the, the overriding thing, and let me just back up a bit. Years ago, my financial advisor asked me to come to a seminar and it was all about this i think i was in my late i remember this i remember you talking about about this about great divorce and the guy just stood up and he said here here's the deal men and women for the past couple of generations have have both worked all day long you only see each other for a couple of hours a day Mm -hmm. you're almost happy to see each other end of the day and you talk about the day and you watch a little tv then you go to bed he said all of a sudden one day in a lot of cases there's a lot of couples you know 
arrange their uh, retirement at the same time, all of a sudden now you're together 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's a lot. And that's challenging. And listen, I can even speak to that. Not that I'm any problems, but listen, it's a challenge. It's you. It's some getting used to. You know, I'd come home from CFNY and have the house to myself all day long. Delise would get home at four or five. I'd have dinner ready and all that kind of stuff, but I did my part. But now all of a sudden... Everything you do in a day, you're together watching each other. Why do you do it that way? Why do you do it that way? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, so it's becoming it's more. I, well, so I, I was going to bring this story up, and then uh, the mm-hmm. ones you told me that you and Dahl were separating, I thought, well, this is the perfect, <laughs> the perfect time. Uh, and for all the reasons that we're saying, you know, there's even this. The story is quite lengthy. It's all about antidepressants are on the rise in the age groups, you know, older age groups, 60s and 70s and 80s. Divorce also has a negative financial impact, more on men, Mm. uh, because they were more likely on average to have higher higher incomes than women at ages 70 to 80. And on and on and on. Uh, But, uh, you know, part of it is when, you know, I think back to the 60s and 70s, Mm -hmm. there really weren't very many divorced couples in my mom and dad's universe i think there was one and i've often said that if divorce was more you know accepted the way it has been the last 20 or 30 years a lot more people in that including my parents might have even thought about it but i know a lot more people would have used it as an option than they used to mm-hmm. dan have you ever thought the, uh... about getting divorced <laughs> Yes, <laughs> very much. Uh, you know the, uh, uh, the things that may may socially were a, a lot of like you were mentioning early, uh, earlier. A lot of people were getting married later in life. Yes, and that meant the kids were were part of the package later in life as well. Absolutely. So so now in your fifties, you know uh, the kids are clearing home. You don't have to be there for the kids anymore. So um, that may be a factor as well when people are thinking about yeah graying up and divorcing. Divorce was very popular on my mom's side of the family. There was five kids, and three of them got divorced. And, you know, these divorce ha- divorces happened probably in the 60s. You know what was common back then, too? A couple divorced, and the kids didn't see one yeah. of the parents again. Oh, yeah. Usually the dad. Yeah. You're right, Howard. Like, um, yeah. Like, my uncle, he divorced, never saw, really saw his kids again. Can you imagine that? No, actually, and then my my aunt, my aunt, her husband left her, and he the kids were cut out of his life. And then my other aunt, same thing, she divorced. Although her son went with his dad, the daughter went with her, but they never saw each other. Just bizarre. Yeah, that's and, the way it was. Well, and, and I think all of it is to say that you know it, it's all become more acceptable. I don't even. I'm, I'm looking through this story. It doesn't actually say what the divorce rates are, although it's. It's got to be above. It's it's got to be above fifty percent now. But uh, even Buddy and I, uh, Buddy Dung and I, you know, were winking at each other the day because the other day we were because we were talking about this. It, you know, they were the same way. Like him and Laverne didn't see each other all day long, and then all of a sudden they pretty much retired at the same time. You mm-hmm. know, within a year or something, and now it's the same thing. You get up in the morning, they're there. You go to bed at night, they're there, and every hour in between. Unless you can think of some things to, you know, to occupy your time, which you can, but still, you're... You know, my mom tells a story when my dad first retired. He never went shopping. Never, ever, ever went grocery shopping. 
But then after they, he retired and she retired, you know, for something to do, he'd go with her shopping. And then all of a sudden he became the master shopper, right? Mm-hmm. Like she'd reach for something, he'd question it and, you know, <laughs> look at the price or is that the best one? <laughs> it used to drive her crazy. Like instantly he became this guy that he knew better than her in that grocery store. Absolutely. And maybe that's why Randy and I got divorced because Randy didn't have a job. I mean, her job was very important. She was a mother and she took care of mm-hmm. the children. But I'd had a job all those years, as you know. I, mean, I was home at the latest by 11 o'clock most of the time. Whether I, Even on days I went golfing, I was home in the afternoon. And we, cause, so we were around each other a lot more than most couples because mm-hmm. she didn't work outside the home. I'm, I'm not saying that's the reason, but that's, that was an unusual situation given how much time we did spend with each other. And so even though we were together statistically for 20 years, I'm sure for her it felt more like 40. <laughs> right. And she was far ready. She was very ready. She was hoping two things happen. Either we get divorced or he has a sudden heart attack and he's no more around. And I think, I think that was also what happened. People used to not get divorced. That was kind of my point a few minutes ago that they didn't get divorced because they could count on the man usually dying young. Sure. Which yeah. is, by the way, if just Dan and I can tell you, way cheaper than divorce. Mm. <laughs> way way yeah. cheaper. Yeah. Way if you're, if you have the option of early death or divorce, oh, we recommend divorce, uh, death. It's so much more cost effective. Yeah. Although I will say to yeah. further to all of this, um, once someone retires to keep some kind of a social network together, and I don't mean online, because we all go from interacting every day with people we like, people we don't like, which is very important, too, mm-hmm. because you lose you use those skills to adjust and, you know, give and take and all those things. And a lot of people who retire, I mean, that's just cut off instantly. And that's just not healthy. You need to, you know, you can't go through 30 or, you know, 25, 30, 35 years of interacting with people every day, face to face, over, a you know, widespread um, topics and issues and whatever. And then all of a sudden have that cut off. You just can't. And that's what's been good about doing this show. Um, but even yeah, which is true, but back yeah. it up a bit. That's yeah. one of the reasons that post pandemic that they're having all these issues with human beings because they're not mm-hmm. interacting with anybody except in this forum anymore. Uh, right. I, the idea on the one hand, working from home is great because you don't have a two hour commute in and out of the city. Right. On the other hand, you don't have much hu- human interaction other than, you know, going yes. to the grocery store and doing errands in your neighborhood. And those human those interactions are fine. But they're not of a familial nature, even if that nature is somebody that, you know, at work that, you know, like those interactions about who who took my sandwich out of the fridge and shit. You know, that's that's even if they're assholes. Exactly. Um, No, you're right. And the thing is, with us at our age, this is a great transition because at some point. Like, I wouldn't want to be doing this in my 30s and 40s because I look back on the, the fun that we had in the radio station. Sure. This would halls. not be healthy. No. But in our in our 60s, this is a fabulous transition. Well, what were you, you were almost, it's almost like you were hesitant. At some point, we'll have to stop this, like when we're on life support. 
because yeah, the maybe. Sa- because the sound of the uh, respirator will get in the way. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Good audio you ma- exactly. You imagine Dan on those before we start the show. Uh, Howard, could you just uh, adjust? The uh, respirator, because I can hear it. The sucking sound of uh, your your breathing tube. Although it creates a little bit of a dilemma, because on one hand, I'm thinking, you know, that whole ignorance is bliss. Sometimes people that don't care about world issues or Donald Trump or whatever, they're oblivious to it. And it's like, wow. So they go through a day not even thinking about that or getting aggravated. And the, the, the thing about doing this show and every day sort of having to be a little bit on top of the issues is... You still have those things in your life. So it's sort of a, what do you call that, a paradox? Yeah. What's Howard doing? Yeah, he's oh, he's pouring himself he's a coffee. But that's, <clears throat> that, would be, that would be the only thing about having to stay connected to things that aggravate you. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you, I mean, yeah, I, I don't. It's funny because my older brother, David, who's down here. It's very funny. It's very funny. <laughs> my older brother, who, who's here, he's 71, still works, you know, some number of days a month. He's engaged in some pretty high-level cons- consulting <laughs> with people on grown-up projects. But he's got the kind of mind. I think it's at all depends. He reads a lot. He's engaged a lot. <laughs> he's such a good guy, my older brother. Very sweet but really smart. And, um, cause, but not everyone chooses to, to live their lives like we do in a state of, you know, somewhat mild aggravation about everyday life. Right. You know, or aggravation is the wrong word. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. when you're not, here's what I would say. And maybe Dan can talk to this or speak to this. I spend a good amount of my day engaged in trying to create something in my head that I think is funny. And some of that, obviously, is making fun of stuff, looking, and, and Dan would say, mocking things or looking for the funny side of things. I realize not everybody's doing that. <laughs> not everyone's engaged in, like, you know, trying to come up with something that might be fun, may or may not be funny. Dan, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't see it's a dynamic, a, to- a totally different dynamic. I think a lot of people, I mean, to what Fred was saying is a great idea to find other things to grab your interest once you're in, in uh, later stages. And you're and ha- Howard's a you're great example that. of that. Yeah. Way more than me. Jesus. What but are you I've talking about? Found, what, uh, what my... Uh... <laughs> you have, a, you know, you take Spanish lessons. Yes, I do. Like, you know, you golf a lot more. You know what I mean? The, the, you do your yoga and stuff. I don't do that many things. I mean, I do different things, but not not sort of regimented things like that where you've got to be somewhere, which I think is cool. You know? Like, you have to be in front of the computer for your... for your uh, My Spanish lesson. For your today. Spanish lesson. You, you have to go to the to the whatever that is yep. for... What do you call the yoga thing? Uh, the yoga studio. Yoga spa studio. studio, yes. You go to the golf course. You mingle. You interact with guys very frequently. I mm. do that, too, but maybe once a week, you know? So, it's... It's... Well, it's different. Well, Fred, this is why they invented pickleball. So, you can... Find exactly. other people. Dude, I'm telling you, these people down, Dan, these people down here are crazy mm-hmm. for pickleball. I won't play it. I just don't want to injure myself. And, and, and I know that sounds weird, but it's not. There's a huge percentage of people that pickleball, that play it, 
that get right. injuries. There's a raft of pickleball injuries, and I want no part of them. I'm st- my elbow still bothers me from the one pickleball game I played one year ago this month. Hmm. So yeah, uh, I, emergency wards are filling up with, with it's, I, Achilles, hamstrings. Because here's the, and, and it's a great game. I went, I was watching my brothers and, and brother and my buddy Graham play there. It's a great game, and uh, I think I, I know when Fred and I played it, I. I enjoyed it. Freddie enjoyed it. I, I think I could be decent at it because, you know, it takes some coordination, whatever. But it's a, I just don't want to. I have no interest in spending the summer rehabbing a pickleball injury. Yeah, you'd rather rehab a golf injury. Absolutely, I would. No, I, I get I it. Uh, I don't see it down here in the Dominican, but getting court time in Brampton was a challenge. And then going back and forth, I really haven't been able to partake. Like today, we have a bocce match nice. uh, scheduled with a couple of guys. But again, that that's that's not the workout that pickleball is. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, you've got to... You know, listen, you quit work, but retirement can be work because you got to be on top of your your mind and your body because it's just easy to shit the shit there. Just sit there and shit yourself. (laughs) Uh, Just quickly before we leave this, because I wanted to move on to something else. And I just, you know, I, I, you know, I know most people who listen to the show know I don't drink. I can tell you if I were drinking, I think that would be that would be a bigger problem in retirement. And I yeah. say that because there's so much time, especially down here where you go, well, you know, you, you, you can get caught up in that vacation mindset where you go, well, it's mm-hmm. noon, it's warm. I should probably have a start drinking beer because I could see that getting away. I've seen it down here and I won't, I won't say whom, not my brothers, but some people I've seen down here mm-hmm. basically sit all day looking out of the ocean drinking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, alcoholism is a disease. I don't know if I could ever get that disease because I'm the same way. I've been down here not even a week now. And the first couple of days, you know, you're caught up in it. Maybe had three or four, maybe one day five. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're. But now it's like the tap's been turned off. Like, I think I had a couple yesterday, and it gets to the point where you don't even feel like it. Yeah, you know. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because I see guys mixing here. You know? And part of it is, and I and I think again, I want to leave this because there's something else mm-hmm. I wanted to throw at you too before Dan has to go. But I, I think, and you'll see this, Dan, because Dan. By the way, we have confirmation. Dan Duran will be in Mexico. I've started to alert the Mexicans to look for Dan. Uh, it's going to be quite exciting for all of us here in Mexico. But when you come down for a week, like we've all done our lives, our whole lives have been going on vacation for one week, maybe two, mm-hmm. until I went to Palm Springs in February of whatever that was, 2022. That's the longest I had ever been away from Toronto since I moved there. One, it was four weeks. So the mindset of a one-week you know, break from your regular life, yeah, I remember that. You'd start drinking at 8 in the morning. You'd drink all day. But, sure. but the mindset now, I'm into year two or three of living somewhere else in the winter. I think that, and what you just described about your drinking, mm-hmm. you know, you, because you'll see, Dan, when you're here, it's like you live here. I, I live here. I go to the grocery store. I'm, I'm not the, the novelty is not that it's not great, and I appreciate it, and I'm all full of gratitude. But there's a novel aspect of it that has worn off, and so you become kind of. So for me, it's like oh, I you know I have my everyday routines here, but a lot of people's routine 
because they're bored and they re- in retirement is they just drink all day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know yes. what it would be like for me if I were still drinking because it's like, you know, a kid in a candy store, as my dad used to say. <laughs> it's very available all the time. Well, and, and, mm-hmm. and not only, great, but it's not only available, Daniel, but it's like, oh, of course you can start drinking. It's a vacation. It's noon mm-hmm. somewhere. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, you wake up and it's noon somewhere. Okay, quickly, I saw this headline. I thought, well, I wonder what my chaps would think of this. So I'm going to tell you a fact, and then I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to know in advance, if I were to ask, if I had been asked the question I'm going to ask you, I would not have been able to come up with the answer. So I'm not doing this for to try and trick you. I just thought it was interesting. Okay, hang on. Interesting. <laughs> Headline from uh, Business News. Canada Post is planning to raise the price of a stamp by seven cents. <laughs> so I saw this and I thought, oh, I wonder if the boys would know because I, I, I again I have no idea I would I wouldn't have no answer for this. What do you think the price of a stamp was prior to the seven cents increase? That's a great question. Um, I was going to play the Price Is Right higher lower game, but then I couldn't really oh, remember yeah. how that worked. I think well, it, it must have been over a buck to start with. Uh, okay, well, so maybe, why, don't you go, why don't you go down, give us a number, uh, and, and whoever's closest is the winner of this stupid game. Okay, so before the, the price increase, I'd say $1.13 before the price. So, Dan, you say the, the prior to the price increase, it was one thirteen. okay? I'm guessing. I'm just trying to think. I bought stamps for Delise for our Christmas cards at Christmas, and I'm just a book of 10. Yeah, it was around ten or eleven dollars. I'm okay. I got to be different than Dan. I'll say one hundred two or something. Yeah, Canada Post is uh, aiming to raise the cost of stamps by seven cents to ninety nine cents for stamps purchased in a booklet. Oh, okay, right. Which is what I guess you did. Yeah, so they were around ninety then. No, they were ninety nine cents. So one hundred two is close. And Dan. Dan's also close because the price of a of a stamp individually purchased mm-hmm. was one oh eight. I'm sorry, one oh seven. So it's going up yeah. to uh, to I didn't realize there's volume discounting at that level. Here's, oh, yeah. I, I didn't realize yeah. people still use stamps for anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another aspect of this whole. Like it's you, you, again, you want to talk about a sunset industry. Obviously, people don't use use the post the way they once did. Mm. So, with the decrease in revenue to keep things afloat, they have to increase prices. So it's like this vicious circle, right? And all all that may do is just drive more people away from the service. Well, it's not even that you know. Well, again, I, you guys did great because I, I I don't know if I could have what I've what I've come up with a, somewhere around a buck. I don't know. When I saw the story, I was like, huh, all of that is news to me. I really don't recall. And maybe you guys, you, you just mentioned it, Freddie, that you had to get some stamps for a doll. You know, mm-hmm. I guess pr- before your separation, you guys were getting along pretty good, right? So, yes. um. But I can't remember the last time I physically had to mail anything. And I get so little mail now that most of the stuff, you know, everything in to do with mm-hmm. banking, everything is done digitally. All my bills right. are done online. So, Dan, mm-hmm. when's the last time you mailed anything? 
Um, my uh, my son forgot his driver's license here in Ontario uh, when he went back to Montreal. So I I went to the post office the other day to buy an envelope with a stamp on it, and that would be the first time in over mm-hmm. a year that I've I've done anything like that. And it's and the, the only time I ever do it is because my uh, insurance company wants paper, you know, the actual receipts, so I have to send them by mail. So right. That's, once a year thing. So. You know, our insurance company, the Chamber Plan, I don't know if you've heard we've got this sponsor. They do a great work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They, all, all the submissions, you never have to mail them anything. It's just done on, you just do it on your mm. app. That's great. It yeah. is great. Our, all this dental, our, all that stuff. Any kind of uh, claim you make. Uh, that's so much easier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> here, here, here's a problem for the Canada Postal Service or whatever it's called, Canada yep, Post. Canada Post. I go, I have a super box, right? I always have in Brampton. They don't brag. Right to my house. (laughs) These super boxes, it's like you open it up and it's just full of flyers. Now that's how Canada Post is making a lot of their money. You know, and years ago, flyers were delivered to your door. I mean, that's a pain in the ass in its own right. But now they're in your mailbox. So I grab this big stack of stuff and you have to go through all these flyers that I don't really look at to see if there's any like genuine important mail tucked into any of it and I find that somewhat annoying and sometimes I really get pissed off and I'll just take the flyers and I'll put them in the mailbox like I'm mailing them back Mm -hmm. like I'll shove them in the mail slot and it's not fair to the person that cleans it out and everything but I don't want them and and somebody told me that you can you can put on your box no flyers please I tried that once but they were still in there like they, they don't the guy's not going to go, oh, this guy doesn't want this, so I'm not right. putting it in there. I, I had the they same thing. The, the divorced dad condos in uh, Oakville, mm. I had the same thing. Uh, I had the super box, and I saw people would put up that thing. No uh, flyers, please. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, did the same thing as you stuffed it back in the mailbox. Oh, I'll show you, Canada Interesting. Post. Interesting. Mm. Lisa's super box. Just stay uh, now. They deleted the... What? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay. We know you like her, but Jesus. She, <laughs> well, you, you, you she missed. She just heard when, that. Wait, is it, she when, just when, walked out of the room. She when, heard it and left the Fred day. missed <laughs> it. When, I, when he first said, I've got a super box, I went, don't brag. <laughs> yeah, but a man doesn't have a box. That's a matter. Okay. It's stupid. <laughs> you don't know that? <laughs> it's just, I know. You no. Know. You don't call that a box? Anyways, Dan, uh, Lisa has a super box. Obviously, obviously, given her boyfriend. She does. Wow. So, yes, her super box, we were down there the other day. (laughs) I bet you were. (laughs) She said that either. Okay. What else Uh, have you done? We we took a walk. Did you put it in the the slot? (laughs) And... We were going to mail something, but there was no uh, mailbox anymore. No, in the super, you know, the super box yeah, yeah. structure has a, you know, a, a, an opening for mail yes. the next day. They they took that away. Really? Wow. Yeah, that's odd. Why they do that? Maybe because of the flyer problem. Yes, there's enough of this. That's a good point. And maybe when you're putting the no flyer thing, you should put it inside the box. Because don't they open the whole? Isn't there like a thing that opens so that they all the boxes are exposed at once? Yes. So they wouldn't see it if it's on the outside of the box, right? So it'd have to be I in guess. the inside but on the they, shelf or something. They don't. And who, what that industry, I'm surprised that industry still seems to be somewhat healthy. That, you know, the making flyers. The industry. making flyer industry? 
Yeah, because I, you know what I mean? I use yeah. Flip, and then you get all sorts of stuff online. As, and you think of something, you search it. I don't, like, who sits and goes through flyers and gets all that ink on there? Hands. Well, guys, do that. here's the thing. You, 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 you think this isn't a big deal, the seven cent increase. But let me finish the story by telling you, Canada Post says the impact of the change is estimated to be. I don't know who, whoever wrote this, how they did it without a, putting a, a little funny smiley emoji at the end of this sentence. The impact of the change is estimated to be about 65 cents per year for the average Canadian household. <laughs> Okay. Really? That's all? <laughs> well, that's how yeah. few... That, that would give you an idea of how many... Of how few people are mailing anything. Mm-hmm. And where does it all go? Um, you know, 20 years from now, what is Canada Post going to be? Um, you know, because, you know, my, I'm like you, Howard, and I'm sure Dan. It's like, you know, even my Enbridge gas bill, you know, is a PDF yeah. delivered to all me every... And if I want to print that, I can. You just put it in a file. And, and you know, it's very convenient and very um, environmentally friendly. So where is it all? Where's all that going? And listen, th- this whole flyer industry thing, that's got to be on its way out soon. Well, gotta not be. according to you. It's still a healthy part of the Canadian economy. <laughs> you know, one of the best things about having the, your bills delivered, you know, to your inbox for me, mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, not as... I'm probably not as organized as you, maybe a little more organized than Durwood, but for me, it's keeping track of have I paid it or not? Because prior to that, I'd get a, a bill, I'd pay it, and then I would write paid on it because I saw my yes. dad do that at the old ideal mm-hmm. menswear store. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but, but I have a file now. But I know exactly if I've paid that bill because it's in the household, mm-hmm. household bill paid file. And I think that... You know, just just having the convenience of that, keeping track of what you're paying and what you're mm-hmm. not paying. No, I agree. So, I Dan, agree. That's your system, yeah. Dan, mm-hmm. um, also the uh, average, so at sixty five cents a year, the average Canadian household and the average Canadian business, it will cost them another twelve dollars. Dan, oh, is that all? Oh, yes. Oh, I thought it would be more than that. Exactly. Even our this business that we run. HumbleandFredRadio.com, Inc. It used to be, in the early days, getting physical checks, putting them in that, I forget whatever you call that book, and then I would take it over to the bank, and the woman would take the checks, and then she'd, you know, um, reconcile it and stamp it. Mm. Since COVID, I have not even been to the bank with... I haven't been to the bank for that reason. Like, I mean, like it's crazy now. You take a picture of the, of the check, yeah. right? And you deposit a picture of the check, and it's immediately deposited. And the thing is, every time you do one of those transactions, I think it's a buck. But the last time I went and bought checks for the company, they were so expensive. It was ridiculous. I think it's still cheaper to pay a buck per transaction because the checks, the physical checks were so expensive for a business. And I haven't used a physical Humble and Fred check. I, like, I don't even know when the Well, the last I do, because I, I remember it was just around the pandemic. Because I, rem- I remember yeah. getting the physical checks from the company for our payroll. Right. And I would take pictures of them. Uh, it wasn't until, yeah. and I, I'm pretty late to this. I, I admit it. I was a bit of a Luddite. It wasn't until girlfriend Rachel 
So that would have been, you know, in 2019, 2018, when I was, she saw me one day, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to deposit this check. She goes, what are you, fucking Jed Clampett? Like, fuck. You can just, I, 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 and I mean, I didn't even know you could e-deposit it. I didn't know how and, but I don't even do that anymore. Mm -hmm. It just, because it just goes and you can just e-transfer it. But it was around the, it was around the pandemic. I remember I had an envelope of payroll checks. Anyway, it's the same I don't know anybody at a bank. Say what's that, Dan? Yeah. I I don't know anybody at a bank anymore. Mm. Yeah. I don't know who the manager of the bank is. I I had to send money to... uh, I I had to send money last year to this uh, golf uh, thing I was getting involved in. um, Mm -hmm. And I had to send like a money order, a bank order. And that was the most time I spent in a bank. And they were great. They, You Mm -hmm. know what? They really were. I couldn't... uh, I can't complain. it, It couldn't have been easier or better experience but that probably was a 15 minute visit the longest mm-hmm. i'd been in a bank for years yeah last time i went it was to wire money and i just wanted to be there because i wasn't sure of the process it was a little bit of a learning experience but uh yeah it's uh and i used to get the company checks and again put them in this little passbook or whatever you call it yeah and i just thought this is official this is what you do with a business and then it was you know and then over time you realize if i do it exclusively online the i mean all the data is there for the deposits and everything it's all in a nice little area and it's online and if you want it you can print it and so yeah no reason to go to a bank uh, Dan Duran, uh, we are we're going to have to let you go. Bill Brio's uh, coming up in about seven minutes' time. We got some stuff to do. Dan's news today. Also, uh, Mortgage Mike will be paying us a visit, talking about some of the uh, great news for people that are renewing their more. If you're one of those people, millions of Canadians having to do another mortgage this year, you're going to want to listen to this spot coming up in about forty-five or fifty minutes. Some great information. Speaking of which, here's Friedrich with some more good news for Humble and Fred listeners. Well, we mentioned the uh, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. You can be part of this. Go to chamberplan.ca. They have a badge there. Click on it. Get a free quote. Find out exactly what it will cost you to be part of the Chambers of, of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. More than, uh, you know, 30,000 Canadian businesses across the land are part of it. Been around for 40 years. I mean, it's solid as a rock. They did a, a great job of, uh, you know, holding the line on premiums year to year because that's important for small business. And uh, your people, uh, your loyal people, can have dental care and uh, prescriptions and therapies and travel insurance, mental health component. It's all there. Take the time. There's different levels in which you could buy into. You know, there are. So, you know, maybe start slow and then ramp it up over the years. Who knows? Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. If you uh, are in the business of, uh, you know, exploring different options when it comes to your portfolio, we recommend you have a look at the company that supports this program, Boron One, B-O-R-O-N-1.com. We say look at it. Okay, we, we make no claims about, you know, investing and stock prices, but we can tell you that Boron's in everything, and there are very few mining companies that ever get to the point that Boron One is at. 
And that's on the precipice of uh, getting a working mind together. If you know anything about this business, you know how rare that is. A rare opportunity to take advantage of a stock. And again, make, make sure you have your advisor look at it and make sure it's right for you. In the meantime, we'd like you to uh, check out their websites. As always, go to boron1.com. That's boron1.com. Let me uh, get uh, Bill Brio here early. Uh, I got a couple things to uh, throw at you guys before we get to uh, his lengthy list of Brio.tv material. And it really is something. As you said, he's been down in Los Angeles, hobnobbing with some of the big stars. Where do the stars yes. go? People, you know, people say, where do the stars go these days? Where, where do you, who, who can you talk to? And of course, the answer is always Bill Brio. That's what uh, the stars are saying. Mr. Brio, welcome back to the program. This isn't officially your introduction. I usually get it it's a bit fancier. Is your audio working there, BB? I think so. There you, you hear go. Me? Yeah, there you go. Oh, I might as well use my mic. Yeah, to my micro, yeah, use the microphone. That's cool. <laughs> yes, and it was brought to our attention you recently moved, Bill. I think I'm going to phone you after the show and talking talk about your move out of Brampton. I mean, so. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. I um, migrated north, Fred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many? I, 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 I have, we, we have so much material of yours, but I got a couple things to throw at you in a second. But how, how okay. long have you been in Brampton? 35 years, 19... 19- 88. So what's that? 36 mm-hmm. years now. Yeah, no, long time. Um, 23 in one house. And, uh, you know, I collect 60 millimeter film, heavy tins, oh, 2000 tins of 60. Mm-hmm. Like, it's killing me to move that stuff. It's, you know, being a pack rat mm-hmm. is a dumb idea. Yeah. That's like my buddy uh, Ivor Hamilton. Oh, it's great to collect albums over the years yeah. and you you become so attached to them. But at moving time, <laughs> um, and then those... you find out you find out all that stuff's worthless, too. That's the other. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. I've done a couple of moves, you know, matrimonial home, got divorced and I moved to the divorced dad home. And each time I, I tried to cull a bunch of stuff that I was just carrying around with me. And I'm sure you guys are the same. And it really, there really is something cathartic about it. Something, it feels good yeah. to get rid of it. But I had a question about those tins of old films. Are they actually worth anything or is this something worth to you? Um, there's both. I mean, depending how rare the film is and um, how, uh, you know, good the print is. Like I have some things, but one of the most valuable is a print. When my dad was in World War II, they showed at Camp Borden, uh, an all-star Bond rally with Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, and Harpo Marx and Betty Grable, and he just told the projectionist, "Wow, that was really, really a great film." And he went to his cot that night, and it was there. And wow. so I still have and project this print, which is eighty years old or something, and uh, it has it's a Canadian version of a film that's circulated. So Bob Hope goes, "I want to say hello to those small Canadian boys that were in Dieppe," you know, like wow. It's, so so that one is kind of worth and, something. And, 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 yeah. When when you say worth something, would you mind giving it? Is it worth $100? Is it worth $1,000 to collectors? I have some Warner Brothers cartoons that are pristine mint, and I've seen them sell on eBay for over $500, and that's for a six-minute <laughs> cartoon. Wow. Uh, I also have lots of washed-out, vinegar-smelling, uh, pink-turned TV shows that are worth about a dollar. Okay. So, you know, yeah. there you All go. Right. 
Is it sort of like uh, too, like the the trading card thing? Like if you were you bought this film one day and you're going through it, and then all of a sudden you go, "Oh my God, that's JFK banging Marilyn Monroe." <laughs> that's right. That's Wait a be, minute. That's got to be worth something. Wow. Wait a I minute. I have that film. I have that film. <laughs> we'll show it sometime. That's right. So. You're, you're you're watching an old Warner Brothers cartoon, and there's JFK yeah. doggy styling Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> that one really smells vinegar. Oh, <laughs> hey now, hey uh, Bill. And Friedrich, the yeah. um, we all know the uh, mm-hmm. Super Bowl usually gets some crazy numbers. Uh, speaking of television, uh, Bill Brio is here with us today. TV feeds his family. Brio.tv is the podcast. I'm just going to throw some numbers at you, and I want to get your thoughts on this. But I, um, the, the NFL had a great season in terms of viewership, you know, partly uh, due to uh, Miss Taylor Swift. But the Super Bowl 58, the one that just played a couple days ago, was the most watched television show ever, ever, with 123.4 million people. Um, yeah. It, any, any thoughts about that? Then I have a question. It's the most viewed, apparently, CBS says, since the moon landing. Uh, the, they estimate 125 to 150 watched the moon landing. Back then, they threw darts at a board to get a number, you know. So this one is real, and uh, it it and don't forget, back in 1969, there was maybe 200 million people living in the states, not 380, you know. Mm-hmm. So that one is still the king. But in terms of a TV show, this blows everything out of the water. It's up way over the last uh, several decades. And, uh, yeah, obviously, it was the longest Super Bowl because it was in overtime. Um, but Taylor Swift, I mean, that was a factor. And you would think mo- men and women, old, young, everybody watches a Super Bowl. So you'd wonder how you could boost it in any way. But I guess there there were fans of hers that normally would not watch a Super Bowl game. I don't know what other factor you could you could point to. Well, there was one that I read, a new way of rating, um, which inevitably they predicted would increase the, that number. Mm-hmm. And did I read somewhere it peaked at $200 million at one point? Yeah. Yes. It peaked at two hundred. And I, what I couldn't find, because I find it interesting each year, interesting, interesting. is that the halftime show outrates the game traditionally. Right. And yeah. I don't know if I ima- I don't know if that happened this year. I imagine it would, but again, with the new rating system they're using, and I don't know what it is or explain it whether that would change whether the halftime show is now the the highest. Hang on a second, Bill. And I, I'm looking in this. I didn't see the 200 million number, but I did see something in this article. I'm just getting it again. Where mm-hmm. one of the key points was that rating is now including streaming. Mm-hmm. Did some kind of it's, it's but, but my question to you guys was this what that number 124 million whatever it is 123.4 miss taylor swift's influence aside and there is an influence 100 percent there mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. but and i does that include the global audience i don't think it does does it I think that's North American, but I'm, yeah. I'm not 100 because I couldn't sure. find yeah, I sure. couldn't find a distinction there and I was wondering if you guys had no, it's whatever Nielsen measures. I think it's North Americans. Oh yeah, I would just yeah, I would assume that that's just North America. That's yeah. just what matters to them because the world number really doesn't matter. From an uh, and I agree with standpoint. you too. So if that's yeah. the North American number, what then could we extrapolate would be the worldwide audience? 
Bill? Well, they throw a billion around for a yeah. Super Bowl yeah. around the world. But, you know, a lot of countries are pirating it. And, and you know, I don't know how you come up with that number. So... I, I can give you a number. Uh, my niece lives in London, England. We were talking. It's my buddy Doug's daughter and and her fiance Elliot. We were talking to them Sunday afternoon, and he's into sports and she's into her sports too. And we said to them, "Are you going to watch the game?" And they said, "Oh, we'd like to, but it's on at eleven thirty, right?" So they would just watch the highlights. Or so even though it's available around the the world, it's really not convenient for a lot of people. You know, to be up, you know, it starts at 2 a.m. Do I care that much? And right. Wherever. Um, yeah, I, I'd heard that number, too, for years, Fred. Oh, a billion people around the planet are. But in actual fact, you're right. It's 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 very time zone dependent. <clears throat> yeah. So it was going to come on at 1130 for them, as I say. And it was like, no, it was like, we don't care that much. I got to work on Monday, you know, which leads me into one other thing. And I've been an advocate of this for years. Why they don't have the Super Bowl on a Saturday night, I do not know. You know, it just for for parties and not having to work the next day and pushing it later in the evening all the time. That's just why they idea. have it Sunday, Fred, is so people can take Monday off. That's, <laughs> that's part of the tradition. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, I, and I also heard some people or uh, saw some people online talking about, like, why don't they have it start you know, a little bit earlier, you know, like a 3 p.m. start. And, you know, because by the time it gets rolling, it's closer to 7 o'clock. By the time, because of the oh, length yeah. of the game, it was 11-something when it was over. And, you know. Yeah. And do you not, baseball has lost a generation of fans by pushing World Series games. Those games don't start till 8.30 Eastern time. No. Kids, kids can't watch them. It's just um, kids. You know, you're, you're, I can't, old people can't watch eight thirty. Yeah, it's part of the whole football culture in the states. So people have their Super Bowl parties all day long. It's like tailgating. Mm-hmm. So they might do six hours of party before the game starts. And I think advertisers yes. are happy to have it on later in the night. And yeah, of course, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a combination, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Bill, let's get to the stuff uh, you, we talk about. You're moving to Orangeville. Orangeville, you're very lucky to have Bill Brio in your community. It's, it won't be long before he's showing old movies down at the Orangeville yeah. Bayou or Bijou. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the town they named after Donald Trump, Orangeville. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's it's Dildo. A- Sorry, that's Dildo, Alberta. Dildo, Alberta. It, it no, is Newfoundland. Odd, but, yeah, right, moving Newfoundland. from Brampton to Orangeville is uh, just a few miles, but it's a world of difference. It is, is odd. It? Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah. you were just in Los Angeles. Uh, what is it you say? Some of the current TSTCA. What does TCA stand for? That's the Television Critics Association. Oh, sorry, so, Bill. I didn't know it because uh, they're not a the, band of nerds. You're right. So uh, lots of great things coming. Give us so give us uh, an overview of some of the television that we can look forward to. And then I have a, I have a TV question that I've asked you before. I'd like to uh, talk to you again about. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I was there. You know, the TCA is a bit different this uh, year. They've had a couple of COVID years where it was not happening at all. So it was back full blast, and Apple TV started it off. And they have some pretty cool shows coming up. Uh, the Reluctant Traveler is the show Eugene Levy is uh, hosting now. He, you see him going around the world. He hates to travel. Uh, it's, he's very uncomfortable and awkward. He's doing a second season where he just goes to Europe, and he goes to Scotland, which is where his uh, mother was born. And so I interviewed him when I was down there and said, oh, so you're half Scotch and half water. Um, and he he hadn't heard that one yet, and apparently you guys have. Uh, but uh, it, it was 
it was, and I don't know if you've interviewed Eugene before on, on your show, but uh, he's kind of like talking to an accountant. Like, he's very dry, you know, he's mm-hmm. a very serious guy, but uh, it's fun watching him on uh, the Traveler show. Um, Great concept. Yeah, no, it is. It is kind of a fun idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Douglas was there. He's in uh, Franklin, which is on Apple TV in April, and it's basically the story of Ben Franklin when he was in France toward the end of his life, and it was a key time because he really was charming and schmoozing with the French in order to get their ships and army to help him uh, help America defeat uh, the British in the War of Independence. So you see uh, that part of his life, and uh, Douglas is very good at it. So I recommend that one coming up as well. And just when you're, when you're, so you got to be a, you got to be face to face with Michael Douglas now nowadays. Like what he looks like now? Yeah, like I didn't have a one-on-one with him, but there was a press conference and he was on stage with uh, one of his co-stars. Yeah. And how's he looking? Because he his, his dad aged pretty well. His father was well into his hundreds or something. But how's Michael Douglas aging these days? Um, you know, he looked fine up on stage uh, at this thing. He looked very casual and relaxed. I've seen pictures of him lately where he looks quite old, you know. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but he, he looked we all? well at, at this event. Nice. You also saw Carol Burnett. How is she looking old? <laughs> she isn't really. No, she's mm-hmm. ninety, um, and uh, she's part of a cast of this uh, series, Palm Royale, also on Apple, and it's uh, it's got Christian uh, Wig and Laura Dern, uh, Ricky. Um, oh my goodness, they say Mar- Ricky Martin. Martin. Yeah. Martin. Yeah, and, and it's sort of. Christian Wiig's character is trying to crack this social uh, high society group in, and it's set in uh, Miami in 1969. So it's it's a comedy, um, and Burnett is one of the dowagers who is wealthy, who is at this resort, and so it's just amazing to see her at that age, and to hear her. She gave a um, as part of the press conference talked about. Her history in television, going back to 1955. Amazing. You know, mm-hmm. before, way decade before her variety show. Uh, and it was really interesting, yeah. You know, Kristen Wiig is one of those actresses. And I, and I love Carol Burnett as a kid. I always thought that show was fun. But Kristen Wiig is, there's there's few, there's another actress, Kate something from Saturday Night Live. She was in, she, you know, she's just, whenever, they're, they're just very funny. They're very, I find them, uh, whenever they're in a movie or a show, I have a sense that things are going to be okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? Kate, what's her face? She just left Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I'm drawing the same blank. Uh, she was on for like eight years. Yeah, and, right. and she, she was she in um, Christmas Party with Jason Bateman. And anyway, yeah, but yeah. there's a few people like that. Kristen Wiig especially. I always yeah, think, okay, this is prob- and Will Ferrell. I think this is probably going to be pretty good and pretty funny. Yeah, it, it, it looks good. And, uh, you know, um, she did that movie Bridesmaids. Right. Uh, it was yeah, great in Bridesmaids. Very, very funny. Um, so, yeah, no, it was a talented uh, group there. There's another miniseries they're doing on uh, uh, Booth, the um, J- James, uh, John, John Wilkes, Wilkes Booth, who yeah. assassinated uh, Lincoln. And it's that's quite a story. Like, he got away for a, a while, right? Like, he uh, he shot the president in the head in a theater mm-hmm. full of people and somehow escaped. So it's, a, it's an interesting, who uh, like, detective story that's a miniseries as well that's coming up. So how long? How long did it take? Like I think it, it was uh, four score in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. a joke. But what did it that take? That is a very Seriously. good joke. 
Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, what did it take? Several days or something? It took several days. Yeah, yeah. he sort of fled on horseback into the yeah. countryside. And wow. like he broke his leg when he jumped on the stage, and he still got away. Son uh, of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't have, uh, there was no, like, no one could track his phone in those days. A fucking guy shot. Imagine that. He shot mm-hmm. the president, got on a horse, and, and, and galloped away. And <laughs> right. <laughs> imagine that. Yes. No. That's crazy. Yeah, the um, president's then, been shot. How'd the guy get away? At a fucking horse. <laughs> no one knew. Yeah, the, the next one here is uh, Caesar Milan. Like, I, I forgot about him because yeah. he disappeared through controversy. He's back. Like, he's a survivor. Like, National Geographic actually wants to deal with this guy. What's the deal with Caesar yeah, Milan? Yeah, like, this is, he's going into <clears throat> the fourth season of his show, Better Human, Better Dog. And, uh, you know, it's a whole. Uh, philosophy is that you really have to train the the owner, not the the pet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but it was interesting. He told me I talked to him out in Canada. We've got Hudson and Rex, and this you know Saint Bernard or the uh, German Shepherd is a very talented. What makes mm-hmm. a good performer for television for a, a dog? And he said, never pick the first of the litter because they're too strong, uh, too mm. aggressive. Their their tendency is to bite. Don't pick the the runt of the litter. Always pick the middle because they're the playful pups. They're the ones that will will perform and do well on television. Interesting. So, there you go. So how do you keep track of that? Like, what one come out first? If there's a litter of six, that was the first one. That was the second one. Like, that can't be. Well, easy. I imagine if you're right in the TV dog training business, you probably <laughs> talk to the train the, the breeder and say, "Okay, I need the third or fourth that came out." But here, here's a guy who made a fortune off you know the quiet whisper, or the dog, the dog whisper, whisper, whatever yeah. it was. And then he leaves in a in that sea of controversy that he you know he mistreated animals. I'm surprised he could make a comeback, which he obviously did. If this is the fourth season, I haven't heard of. I think um, you know a lot of people have amnesia, right? If you're famous, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd you, forgotten about it completely. Go yeah. sit in the corner for three years and yeah. then come back uh, bigger than ever. Mm-hmm. Listen, man, yeah. Louis, Louis C.K., yeah. Louis C.K., who I right. think is amazing, has a, 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 a special that he you know sells him on his site that he sold out Madison Square Gardens last year. I mean, people are like, okay, so you jerked yeah. off in front of some people. Huh? You got any new <laughs> jokes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Bill Cosby still has to have his comeback, but yeah, uh, he's not, right. Bill, Bill's not coming back from that. Uh, you said so. you uh, you attended a TV critic critics group reading. Yeah, what, what is With that the, all Ter- about? Uh, Teresa Caputo, people will, will may know her. She's the small, medium at large. She's well over five feet, um, and she's on heels and the hairspray. Oh my god! But very nice. She so she did a group reading for TV critics. So she went around. She sees the dead. She sees dead people. So mm. dangerous mm. putting her in front of TV critics. And um, you know, she just was literally going from people uh, i feel oh i, I someone uh, someone couldn't breathe or you know like was there anybody in the room who had a parent who died you know like, <laughs> way out i'm not a little well, go ahead anyway but that that was she was so she worked the room and it was shocking there was people in the room who had their father shot the mother you know like it was like what the hell who's what is this group How oh she was doing a reading she was mm-hmm. doing a reading oh yeah, i get it yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I guess I didn't make that clear. Sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah. sorry. I, I I sort of blanked out there because because I, I, I okay. So she's uh, she's got a, a, a series where she does readings for people. 
Yes. Because yeah, I thought for a second she was like a, a detective with the department or something. Because I was thinking of that show on CTV that I was telling the boys last week. This thing is called Sight Unseen. And it's like, okay, guys, here's the premise. She's blind, but she's the best detective we have. Right. Yes. Yeah. That that's on CTV. Now. That's on CTV now. Have you? Are you aware of that series? Where the she's beautiful, uh, yes. by the way. She's got beautiful. She is. She is beautiful. She's a British that American is. actress. And uh, that series. Uh, one of the creators. There's two sisters who created it, and the one sister has um, a, a, a a problem with her eyes. And oh, she I see. Went blind in a similar way to this character. Now. The creator's uh, sight is restored, mostly, but um, that helped inform them writing this. So the deal is that while this character suddenly can't see, she uses a um, remote um, app that is, is somebody who can see. So the woman has a camera on her neck, and the other person is telling her, yeah. walk four steps to the yeah, left, yeah, yeah. okay, shake this hand, and that's that's how the <laughs> premise a, goes. It just seemed a bit, a bit of a shaky premise. It's like, okay... You got any yeah. other? Hey, this guy has a limp, and he's <laughs> he's the, right. We yeah, or, you know, oh, there's a man right in front of you with a gun. Okay, duck to the left. You know, like <laughs> that's, that's not going to work. And by mm-hmm. the way, speaking of CTV, sir, so the, the I was watching the Super Bowl on a Canadian network. So of course we're getting all the Canadian network shows, you know, coming in March. All these shows, sight unseen, and all the different CTV shows. And my brother was here. We had a bit of a discussion, and we we've, we've had it here with you before about. Who's watching? Because all these shows you've talked about are on different streaming services. Yeah. So what kind of numbers? And I wish I could remember. There was four or five series. Sight Unseen was one of them. This, there's one where this quirky detective Dent or something seemed. Or do you know what I'm talking about? It's a Which sing- one's this? It's on CTV. Seems like it's like oh, a, oh Will Will Trent. Trent, yeah, yeah it's Trent. It, that one yeah. seems not bad. But my point is has always been how many people are watching network television. To support these shows. That's the shocker. I mean, it might be 3 million people in the United, the entire United. They talk about Super Bowl is 123 million. So 3 million maybe watch one of those shows. We went on a set visit for a couple of ABC shows. One of them was Not Dead Yet. It's a sitcom. It's on now on Wednesday nights. Gina Rodriguez, who was Ugly Betty, is on it, and she writes obituaries, her character, and then sees dead people that she's writing about. Well, Maybe three million, maybe two and a half million, maybe, you know, but it's a hit show. I mean, not that long ago, you better have 10, 12, 15 million. And now it's just a tiny fraction. If it's three million in the States, there's 300,000 are watching. So so who's watching Trent? Uh, How many millions? What would would that get on CTV? Uh, 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 500,000? The the networks are really, they they, uh, collectively in Canada... They uh, control, they run the uh, rating service here. Okay. So they stopped sharing information about two years ago because it was uh, getting crazy low. And you're right, whatever, a million used to be a hit in Canada. Now, uh, if you have 300,000, you'll probably survive to another season. Well, isn't that affecting the quality of the shows? Because the revenues aren't there, so they can't spend as much on them. It's it's just such a great matter. They're, they're, they're 
you know, they're measured now live plus 30 days. So they're going to argue that over the mm-hmm. course of 3D day, 30 days, people still watch the ads a bit that are on there. Uh, the streaming numbers add to the total. So maybe mm-hmm. it gets up to uh, 500,000 and they still, how do you get in front of 500,000 people? Well, you can't do it in a newspaper anymore or a no. magazine anymore. So it's still television, a dominant medium, even though it's at a right. lower level. Yeah, man, it's just crazy how things have changed over the past few years. Just nuts. Well, I can answer your question because one of my daughters, uh, the youngest daughter, does a lot of stuff online. And one of the videos she did around uh, middle of December has close to a million views. Wow. Really? So that's how you do it. I mean, it's it's a silly little video, but over... If for some reason, and, and most of her stuff gets, I mean, you, it's, it's not that impressive when you consider there's, I mean, it's impressive, but it's not. There's lots and lots mm-hmm. of people getting millions and millions of views of them doing funny little things on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. It's uh, even if you you can tweet to, I've had tweets go out to 100,000 people a few times and it's always surprises me which ones yeah. go out that viral yeah. and the others that don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to let yeah. you go here. We did do a lot of talking on the show about the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. It's coming up next week in Hamilton, uh, honoring Rick Smith. I think Lumby's in town. One of our dear friends was uh, in the cast for years. He's coming to town to honor his friend um, Steve Smith. Uh, any thoughts about that? Yeah, they're, they're going to honor Steve Smith on uh, Feb 23rd in Hamilton, and he's got a show, as you mentioned, uh, Red's, uh, Red Green, of course. Uh, Steve's uh, pretty much retired living in Florida, but to me, he's a hero of mine because here's a guy in Canada who had the Red Green show lasted 16 seasons, but he had to take it from CHCH to Kitchener for a year, and then it was on global for a cup of coffee and then finally cbc he just wouldn't take no for an answer and and in order to be successful in canada you know and he didn't really take a lot of government funding money like he did it on his own uh and and it's so hard to to produce any show that even ones that fail after a year so my hat is off to red green who did it all with duct tape and uh, yeah (laughs) and you talk about persistence because out of the blocks, I mean, that's Smith & Smith comedy mill. Right. <laughs> Seriously, I remember vividly uh, buddies and friends talking about, have you seen that shitty show? How bad that is? <laughs> How would that make it on television? Yeah. But, you know, he just, as you said, just perseverance just kept going and going and it got better obviously <laughs> and, he, and he took it to pbs in the states and he would go to the pledge drives at all the different border stations in minneapolis or whatever he would go on as red green and go if you like our show uh send a little bit of money if you don't mm-hmm. like it send a lot of money so they can buy something better Well, I know I know from Lumby because Lumby and Patrick McKenna and Steve went to a few of those pledge drives. Jeff's went Jeff went with them and and he Jeff was uh, uh, I can't remember his character's name, but he was the sewage guy. And so he was, you know, he always had the hard hat on every time that Steve Smith went to one of those pledge drives. They did record business. Yeah, no, he's popular and people love him. People send him duct tape birdhouses and different things. And uh, so I have, I'm having him on as a podcast guest in a couple of days. I've got Tim Progosh 
now who you guys spoke with, who uh, is the founder. And like Steve Smith, just determined, wouldn't take no, wouldn't quit. He's working mm-hmm. for over 20 years to get this thing happening. And it's happening um, Feb uh, 21 to 24 in Hamilton with Eugene Levy, Martin Short, Jim Carrey, the cast of SCTV, Billy Van being honored. So nice. it's kind of a cool lineup. Well, listen, Orangeville, you've got a new citizen. It's Bill Brio. Always open. I, I mean, he's such a ca- kind, caring person. He will be putting on films at the Orangeville Community right. Center before you know it. Like, yeah. are you sitting in Orangeville right now? You've made the move. I'm on and on Highway Nine at uh, Sandra Sisters' house. We have to. We have a few days in between selling oh. and, and moving, but uh, I'm I'm Orangeville uh, adjacent. Yes, uh, right on. Uh, Brio. Well, we never did. We never did the Sunny's hamburger thing. Maybe one day we can. It's not guys. far. I'll come yeah. down anytime. Yeah. yeah he'll, okay, so he'll, he'll commute to Brampton now. <laughs> in the uh, BTA, the Brampton uh, every uh, listen, everybody. Brio.tv is where you go for more of the podcast there and all kinds of information. Bill, thanks a, a bunch. We'll talk to you next month. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, pal. Thanks, uh, Bill Brio. Thanks, Bill. And uh, this segment of the Hubble and Fred Show is brought is, is listeners supported. And if you want to support us, then we encourage you to support these fine folks, Frederick. Well, the Midpack Suck Show plays tonight. They are uh, hosting the St. Louis Blues, who are a gritty team and in their own right. So the Leafs probably will have trouble with them. Although the Leafs, as usual, are favored. Uh, yeah, minus 204 on your Leafs tonight. The over-under 6.5. These numbers come from Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and uh, feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's Bodog. Bodog. Uh, just briefly, I want to come back to sports in a second. We got about ten minutes before Mortgage Mike makes an appearance. I think you know. I watched uh, our friend Darren Waslick reminded me that Kirby enthusiasm had returned for its final season, and I watched the first episode last night, and I fell asleep during the second episode. I was really tired. But also, I'm going to go back and watch it. You know, I, I've always loved the style of show that is. But I wanted to share something with you, and I, I wondered what you felt. I don't know how to explain it. I think it's funny, but for me, too much of it, it becomes it's more, more, un, it's more uncomfortable and aggravating than it really is funny. Whereas, you know, Seinfeld was funny because it's a different style of show. It's a sitcom Laughs are expected in a certain period of time. But with Curb, last night I found myself in the beginning of the second episode going, I don't know how much more of this I'm going to watch. Like, it doesn't hold my interest at, like it once did, but I feel like the awkwardness has just it's been overdone now. Uh, we've talked about this before. I tell you, when I watch that show, I watch it with a knot in my stomach. Yes. It's just that type of show so really clever and obviously relatable but you're right yeah i haven't watched it in a long time i don't know i just i don't know i get I, into stuff and then just fall away from it same with know. me but i think with mm-hmm. with that in the early stages of that show i never missed an episode first season second third the producers arc where him and uh david swimmer were in the pre- I, I thought all that was great but what i think has happened is the novelty of the 
con- continual awkward right. situation. I think it started. It's it's reached its best before date. For well, me. plus you get that every day in your regular. Life, so why do you want? <laughs> That's right. It's like, why I do you want to watch it? I don't think this is a comedy. It's a documentary. Yeah. That's what Darren yeah, said. Darren sent me a note. He goes, this is like you before the transformation. I said, I'm, I'm not that transformed. Believe me. <laughs> I want to come back to yeah, hockey. That's funny. You mentioned uh, mm-hmm. the uh, mid pack suck show. Mm-hmm. The other night, the Leafs played Ottawa. And I got on the periphery. I was kind of aware of something that happened, but I didn't think it was that big a deal. And then I did a little investigating. You know, as you do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not sure if everyone's aware. There was a, I guess it was a breakaway or an empty. Yeah, it was, a, it was an empty. And the Ottawa pulled their goalie late in the game. And Morgan Riley. No, no, no sorry. Le- Leafs, Leafs pulled their goalie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And an Ottawa player came down, got the puck, came loose. And he basically from... Center ice to the goal, had an open net, and apparently did the most unthinkable thing and took a slap shot into the net. This enraged Morgan Riley so much that he took a swing at him because you just don't do that in hockey. None of that was, I was aware of that. Please um, illuminate me or whatever. Well, again, I'm a little tainted because I'm really don't like this Leaf team. So we'll start there. Um, number one, and Morgan Riley sort of cross-checked them. It went off the uh, shoulder pad and then cross-checked them in the head. So that was the, the big issue. Morgan Riley has a hearing today and will probably be suspended for a couple of games. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. But again, I don't like the Leafs, but I know where it came from. You know, all other teams, and let's let's mention this, Ottawa, one of the worst teams in the league, beat the Leafs again. You know, the Leafs don't show up in a sec. Here, you know, I, where do I begin with this stuff? So it's in Ottawa. It's mostly Leaf fans in Ottawa. So all the Leaf fans take the time and the money and the energy to go to Ottawa to follow this team. And then they get to Ottawa, play one of the worst teams in the league, which are, which are the Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. and don't really show up. They get off to a slow start. So instead of going, look what these fans have done. They've come to Ottawa to support us. It's like they're oblivious to that, which pisses me off. Secondly, all the other teams in the NHL get tired of the Maple Leafs. They get tired that those top four guys are making more money than anybody else, and they basically suck. They don't deliver the goods. So this kid... Um, his name was uh, Morgan. No, no, Morgan Freeman. Uh, anyway, I had it written down. Jesus Christ! It doesn't Whatever matter. his name was, it doesn't matter. You know, during the game, you know, he's a feisty little guy, and there was all sorts of little incidents. So here we are against the mighty Toronto Maple Leafs with all their high-played players. And he's going down. It's 4-3 Ottawa. He can put the icing on the cake. He can put the nail in the coffin. So he just whacks the puck. He slap shots it into the empty net. And I thought, I don't blame the kid for that. Like, you know, that's a big victory for Ottawa. And against this team that everybody despises, just making a little statement. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Well, and I I didn't have any of that. I I mean, I know the team sucks and you hate them, but I didn't have any of the background as to why... I just thought, oh, is this something in modern hockey you're just not supposed to do? You're supposed to just shovel the puck forward and take the goal and move on. 
But I didn't realize he was that sort of a Kenny Linsman style player, you know, a bit of a pepper pot, as you would say. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the Leafs are sucking and then it's and they're losing on the road and 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 as our friend uh, Tim would say. But mm-hmm. the actual so I'm just looking at it as a guy that played hockey. I didn't I didn't think it was a big deal until I went online. I'm like, oh, apparently this is the worst thing you can do. But the reaction, the reaction of Morgan Riley surprised me because to me, that didn't seem like. The what do they say? The it didn't seem that the act fit the the response fit the act. Like it seemed like a very unprofessional reaction by a professional mm-hmm. hockey player. Yeah, and him in particular, and they'll probably go a bit easy on him with the suspension because he has no history of this. But again, I just within myself, I just understand so much of it. I understand why Ridley Gregg, that was his name, took the slap shot. He's happy. He's happy. We beat these Toronto Maple Leafs at home in front of their fans. Here we are in Ottawa. Their fans are in. Toronto fans are in the thing. And mm-hmm. we beat them. So I understand that. Also, I understand Morgan Riley. He's frustrated because the team stinks. I'm sorry. For what they are and what they have, they stink. Okay. You know, the the, the defense is porous. The goaltending sucks. The, the big players, you know, show up on occasion. You know, yeah, Austin Matthews has 42 goals. Great. But what good has it done them? And so all those things together. So I understand why the kid took the slap shot. I understand why Morgan Riley did that. But there's this unwritten rule in hockey that you're disrespecting them or something when you. Well, I got that. I mean, that. I, yeah, I could. You can yeah. sort of suss that by the reaction. I sort of got it that it was sort of a thing you didn't do. I just didn't have any of the background. And I was going to bring it up yesterday, but we were doing a Super Bowl coverage. I know. And one other thing about this that bothers me about the NHL now. Remember you'd watch the NHL and a guy would come over the blue line he'd, you know, and a defenseman would deliver a really good body check and the game went on. It was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's a great yeah. hockey play. He body checked him. It's yeah. part of the game. Especially, now, in open, deli- especially in open ice. That was a pretty cool thing to do. Now if you deliver a really good body check, you have to immediately be prepared for a fight. Because if you, if you really give a guy a good body check, somebody want, from that team wants to fight you. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't know how you take that out of the game, but they should. Okay, well, uh, we've got, uh, it's time to talk money with our friend Mortgage Mike. Hang on a second, let me get him in here. Hopefully that it's all going to work. Last time was seamless. We're hoping for the same now when uh, Mike Azarian joins us. Yeah, I used to be back in the the days there when... uh, I was around hockey that if a defenseman could somehow hip check uh, forward coming across the line and open ice, that was a pretty cool thing to do and then uh, not easy to do. The play went on. The play went on. All right. Let's just do a little quick mic test with uh, Mike Kazarian. Can you hear me? Yes, Mm -hmm. I can hear you. Can you hear us? I can hear you guys like it's Tuesday morning and it's a beautiful sunny day. You're a beautiful sunny day. <laughs> um, all right, let me do the uh, let me do the legal here. Mike Kazarian joining us once again. People are very excited about his appearance. He's one of the broker owners of Lenders Choice Mortgages, an independently owned and operated member of the Mortgage Alliance, license number one three five eight two. Go to LendersChoice.ca. And uh, Mike, uh, welcome back. Great to have you with us as always. You know, I used to do this uh, bit about how if you ever want to start a conversation with somebody in Toronto, all you got to do is ask about the price of their house, when they bought it, when they pay for it, <laughs> etc. 
But I would extend that now, Mike, because you've pointed out that so many millions of Canadians are going to have to talk about mortgages this year. And like a lot of things, it's not always the most, uh, you know, they're not, they're not, it's not, it's not a easy conversation because, because some people just don't want to talk about it. So maybe you could start that conversation for us now. Yeah. Well, good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, Good to be back. Um, Yeah, like, you know, we mentioned on the last two shows, there's going to be a million mortgages maturing this year and another million next year. Um, So, yeah, people need to start the conversation early with their current financial institution or talk to a mortgage broker. They need to find solutions uh, with interest rates being much higher today than they were two, three, four, five years ago. Their interest rates are obviously higher. Their payments are going to be higher and they're going to want to look for options. Um, Which brings me up to really important thing that I want to talk about today is the gray area of financing. Um, so if you guys will indulge me. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what does that mean? Gray area? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. So oh, we, I thought typically so. I thought lenders will lend up to 44% of your income. So let's just say we'll make round numbers. You make $10,000 a month. They will lend up to 44% of that. So $4,400 a month. And that includes your mortgage payment, your heat, condo fees, if you have condo fees, car payments, line of credit balances, credit card balances, et cetera. So 44%, that's the maximum that they're going to lend you. Um, so that's the standard financing. So when you get a pre-approval, and this is important for anybody listening um, to get a pre-approval, whether, you know, if you're looking to purchase, make sure you get a pre-approval. Um But going back to the debt service ratio, so 44% of your income is what you would qualify for. But the gray area of financing is where we can go higher. So we can go um, 46% up to 50% through an A lender. And that gray area of financing is critical for people to get the financing that they need. And, you know, those that gray area is based on many different factors. You know, your job stability. Do you have asset, liquid assets? Um... Um, a number of different things. So, you know, what the loan to value is on the property. So um, that area of financing is important for people that need to get more money than what they would typically qualify for at their own financial institution. So again, the Scotiabank, TD Bank or whatever, they wouldn't have that conversation about gray area then is what you're saying. Uh, They probably wouldn't, um, Mm -hmm. right? They would just tell you this is what you qualify for. Right. Um, And we would have that conversation. Now, like, mind you, these are based on exceptions, Mm -hmm. but we understand how to build that business case. Right. To present it to Scotiabank, to to present it to TD Bank, to present it to whoever we need to present it to Mm -hmm. to get you the financing that you need. Yeah, and uh, again, the scary part or the concerning part is is how many people, again, it's like anything else. You've got to do your homework because your mortgage renews. You just go to the bank, you sit in the chair, and you, you do whatever they dictate. And it just doesn't have to be that way, as you explain. Yeah, it, it doesn't. I mean, like if I don't, I'm not going to mention any lenders, but if your financial institutions offering you, you know, six percent and you come to a mortgage broker you come to us and we can get you 575 or five and a half like why wouldn't you switch your mortgage and it's not just about the rate and i mentioned that before it's about getting the right advice because you need to make sure you get the right product for yourself so Mm -hmm. for example like if you have more than 20 percent equity in your property we might suggest getting a secured line of credit 
it's a smart financial planning tool so that you can have access to the equity should you want to buy other investments or you're going to planning on moving and you need access to the deposit and you don't want to cash in your investments. So there's advice mm-hmm. piece of it on top of the, you know, obviously the important rate factor that people are looking for. And, and you know, Kaz, as far as the conversations we're going to have, there's going to be a lot of repetition because, you know, people are going to be coming to this section of the show. They may not have heard you last time. And I think it's important to keep building a foundation of information for people. But one of the things that we've kind of touched on, but I want to talk about again is the unique because I've, I've never used a mortgage broker. You're the first mortgage broker I know. I mean, I've known you for 13 years, and still most people gravitate toward a one solution. It's the way we've always done it. But every time you come on, I think people are starting to get their heads around the fact that, oh, there's a different way of doing this. Because what you'll do is you're going to, because this is what you do. You're brokering a mortgage in any way that you can for the benefit of the client. Not that the bank doesn't have their best interest, but it's a one-stop shop. Whereas you're shopping it around 75 lenders, you can go to all kinds of different solution opportunities. But as you've said, you, you want to start that conversation. If your mortgage is due in September, don't wait to call Mike till September. Have that conversation now so you can start to plan and maybe think about different ways. Yes? I'm having conversations with people that their mortgages are maturing uh, next year. So we're starting Mm -hmm. that conversation today because they want to understand what their options are. So, yeah, I mean, it's never too early to start the conversation. Then we'll diarize. Well, like I will give them advice on where we are at today, what options are available today. Um, And to your point, Howard, like we don't have any preference to any one lender. We're going to go where it makes sense for you. And, yeah, this is repetitive, but it's important. And even those who had mortgages at two, two and a half percent, whatever they were in the good old days, where they are now, it's going to take some time for them to get back to that level. If, in fact, they ever do. It's a slow process. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to wait till they drop back to two and a half next week. That's not going to happen. So, again, it gets it lends itself to what you just said. You got to plan ahead because it's going to be like this for a while. It's like anybody that's even buying real estate today. I'm not a real estate expert. I always, mm-hmm. you know, tell people to talk to their real estate agent about that. But they're like, is now a good time to get in the market? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can't time these things. You can't time when interest rates nope. are going to be the lowest. Um, mm-hmm. You can't time when housing prices are going to be the lowest. You know, I will say that with when interest rates do start to come down, we are going to see probably housing prices start to go up. Just mm-hmm. basic supply and demand, economics 101. I mean, there's right just on. not enough housing, and there's a lot of people looking to buy. Mm-hmm. I was uh, happy to see uh, that email you sent, Freddie and I, last week, that the uh, first Humble and Fred listener finally, uh, finally, it was just a couple of weeks, contacted Mike. And uh, so people are starting to pay attention. Uh, we recommend it. Give Mike a call. Uh, you can find Mike through Lenders Choice Mortgages at LendersChoice.ca. And I, I think it's interesting you said that about you, you're already having conversations with people whose mortgages are a year away and lots of people listening or may have may have reason to call you. And we say, uh, don't hesitate to because uh, Mike's got a lot of information. And as I, I say, the whole idea of brokering a new mortgage for you is because Mike's doing this. Uh, this is 24 seven. Right on. All right, Mikey. Thank you, guys. Thank mm-hmm. you, my friend. That was a good appearance. Yeah, very, very good. Informative. Exciting. Well, nice to see you, and um, we'll see you again. Hey, Kaz, listen, man, I'm not up in Toronto. I understand the weather. Like, last Friday, the weather was 14 degrees. Have you, uh, is, are there ranges open yet? Are you out hitting golf balls? 
I can't even like golf isn't even like on my brain right now. Yeah, I guess. Other than watching the waste management open and watching all those drunkards on number sixteen, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, yeah, that was crazy. But Mike, were you like us? And um, I didn't start watching the Super Bowl until halftime because I was so caught up in uh, Nick Taylor's performance. Yeah, it was so cool. We were going back and forth, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, we got to get back to football game. No, Nick Taylor's, you know, we got to watch that. So the oh, playoff yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, right. I'm with you, fantastic. too. Kaz, I'm with you. Like, I, I love, I, I mean, the way some, that tournament is legendary. For the last 20 years, it's gotten bigger and bigger and more people, and the attendance is great. But, you know, there's guys puking on each other. Guys breaking, fights broke out. I saw something this morning. It's just kind of disgusting. Just some drunk guy sitting on a chair outside of one of the holes, literally just to, just peeing himself. Like, it's just gotten, it's gotten a little bit carried away. And, and they, they, at one point, Fred, I don't know if you heard this, maybe Mike did, they had to stop serving alcohol. At some mm-hmm. point each day because it was just getting out of hand. See, Americans ruin everything. <laughs> it's funny you say that because at the Buffalo Bill games, whenever they have problems with their tailgating, they blame it on Canadians. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> they and what's their alcohol content? In those <laughs> oh, years? that's right. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um, all right, Kaz. Uh, Mike Kazarian, Lenders uh, Choice Mortgages, Lenders Choice. Thanks, Thank you, Michael. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Great job, you my too, friend. Man. Give my best yeah. to Andrew. We'll talk to you soon. I will. Be well. All right. There you go. Are you... Uh, Dan Duran's uh, news is coming up in uh, a bit here. Well, tomorrow the uh, retirement Sherpa is going to come by, you know, a different uh, uh, stab at, uh, uh, you know, uh, financial and uh, money and how to work it and offer advice and... Uh, your best interests. Tomorrow he's going to talk about uh, do you invest in yourself? That's a basic part of, uh, you know, wealth building, of course. Uh, and that's basically it. Uh, investing in yourself. And he'll explain that tomorrow when he comes by and he'll explain it in a wonderful way that Tim uh, does. Tim, a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. He returns from his uh, vacation. I forget where it was, but we'll talk about that as well. Uh, Tim Niblett, the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. You had another golf thing you wanted to talk about, Tiger's logo. Tiger left Nike. Well, that, I, I was reading the article yesterday, uh, you know, Tiger's new look. And, um, I mean, you talk about it, what, the better part of 30 years now? Um, 19, uh, 1996, they signed uh, yeah, so Tiger 27 Woods. years, whatever. Did, yeah. um, 27, 28 years. Um yeah, what is, you know, I mean, you think you see Tiger, it's uh, the cap with the uh, with the Nike swoosh, swoosh and then the shirt and uh, that's gone. That that um association is over. And on Sunday he's going to show up with a new look, a new sponsor look. And well, um, that's going to be something. It's in association with TaylorMade. Mhm. Which is I thought is an interesting <laughs> Uh, move because TaylorMade used to be associated. The company was a uh, part of Adidas the, for their apparel. They, they, uh, oh, that's okay. how. And then they split from Adidas a few years ago, and then started doing their own apparel. So I think what TaylorMade's doing is they signed Tiger. Tiger uses TaylorMade golf clubs, uh, some of the golf clubs anyway. 
And so I think what happened was Tiger's like, okay, I'm leaving Nike. I need a new apparel partner. But of all the logos, and it's kind of a weird logo. It's like a tiger silhouette, and it's called Sunday Red, which is Tiger's famous for wearing mm-hmm. red and black on Sundays. And so the, the line is called Sun, as in the it's – not, it's not Sunday. It's Sun separate. Oh, so he's not going to be wearing a hat that says tailor-made across the front like the other guys? No. Oh, okay. No, but he but TaylorMade is the partner in this apparel right, I get company. Mm-hmm. I just think they missed a, a, an opportunity. I think the logo is sort of meh. And and what I thought they should do, and a lot of people I saw this online too, and they sort of agree with me. There's an iconic the fist pump Tiger Woods. You know that that shot of him winning the 1997 Masters. It's just iconic. Why that wasn't the logo choice? I don't know because that would have made more sense to me. Okay, so, man, I'm learning something here. So, again, I, I read the tailor-made connection, and I'm immediately my mind jumps to, oh, he's just going to look like a bunch of the other guys. But it's his apparel company in, 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 in association, association yeah. with tailor-made. Yes. Right. So, it, it, like, it's going to be a separate name and a separate logo. Yes. I get it. Okay. Yeah. It would be like, mm. you know, it, Air Jordans famously... The logo of Michael Jordan is him mid-shot, right. legs mm-hmm. uh, sort of apart, hands up in the air. That's right. the Air Jordan logo, and you'd think, and and Tiger's logo, it would just it just seemed to me like a natural. It's like that fist yeah. pump, club back, whatever it is. But this Tiger, I don't know. It just seems like sort of sort of like a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. That or a car on its roof. Would be, would be. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, a nine irons, a car with a nine iron smashed into it. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, man. that's going to be. And uh, I also read, and and I wasn't aware that you know the history of where the red on Sunday comes from. It's through his mother, red. Yeah, in in Taiwanese, apparently, red is a, a show of power or whatever. Yep, and uh, that's where that comes from. His mummy. His mummy. Um, yeah, and he, he's worn red and black on, you know, every Sunday, whether he's in contention or not. Did you, on the weekend, watching that uh, waste management, there was promos about the, some golf promo that showed him when he was an amateur, how yeah. skinny he was, how oh, yeah. lanky, and, and how nerdy he looked. Oh yeah, it was something. Yeah, yeah, very well. Yeah, you know, he was. He's been on television since he was three years old. So when he was mm-hmm. a fourteen-year-old or fifteen-year-old, mm-hmm. yeah, he uh, he definitely bulked up in his twenties. Because um, yeah. even at the Masters, even he was twenty-one when he won the Masters in nineteen ninety-seven. He was still fairly. He was still mm-hmm. skinny-ish. But yeah. uh, there you have it. Dan Duran is back. Dan Duran is back. Everybody, he is Dan Duran. He's Dan Duran. What's it going to be like there today? Here in uh, Puerto Aventuras? Yeah. It's going to be pretty nice. I'll tell you, the last couple of days, the uh, yesterday was feels like 35. It was a bit much. Oh. I'm just um, asking because yeah. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. So, yeah. Dan asked Since- me some. Go ahead. No, I was saying since I've been here, it's like 25, 26, no humidity, and there's always a breeze here on the beach, and it's just perfect. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. You know what? And I've often said, you know, um, wind can wreck a nice day. Yes, I don't mind the wind. I don't mind the wind down here. Up at the Tin Palace, a windy day aggravates me. Not here. It's just beautiful. Yesterday, uh, my brother David and I met 
at this little par three. There's a little driving range here about five minutes from where I'm at. And he said, oh, you're going to go over this afternoon? I said, sure, I'll meet you there around 2.30. And mm-hmm. at 2.30 in the afternoon, it was like, feels like 35, 100% humidity. It was like right. a cauldron. Right. Where, and, and, and you're not getting a lot of the ocean breeze there. Right. Let me ask you. Tell me the truth. Did you sweat your balls off? All, all, all three of them. <laughs> including my, my undergrown third nut. I sweated. Talk about hobnobbing. How about that one? I sweated my balls off. What does that mean? They like you know, like sweat them off. I I I will say this: I sweat through an entire. My T-shirt was soaked when I got home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dan Duran and I were talking yesterday at the after the blessed event of Dan Duran confirming a visit. Not the first time Dan Duran and I have been in the tropics together, but the first time in a long time. I've traveled quite extensively with this Daniel J. Gebert fellow. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, Dan had a couple questions about, we were talking about arrival and I was going to come pick him up. But you know what Dan Duran's first question was, Fred? What was that, Howard? He wanted to know if he was going to get, if I had been sick, uh, you know, Mexican stomach, was I going to, you know, was was Dan Duran going to be shitting himself constantly while he was here? (laughs) Well, this was right after Howard told me that he bought a bunch of stuff off the ba- out of the back of a trunk of a car. Oh, that's that right. By. Dude. And I was going, well, you know, like uh, you're, you're buying food out of a trunk of a car. Yeah. Like prepared food, right? It's not yeah, like. I'm not buying know. food every day. Well, there's a guy that comes around this area and he feeds the uh, workers. There's a bunch of work going on in my near my condo. And uh, one of the guys, like the guy who I'm renting him from said, hey, by the way, every day around noon, this dude comes around with his family and he serves like for like six bucks, you get a huge amount of food. Well, it's all prepared. It's not like, you know, he wasn't making it out of a cauldron, out of a garbage can. Mm hmm. But it was really In good. Theory. So good. No, it was really good. No, I, I and I said to Dan, I've been coming down here for a long time. I, I, I said same with Freddie and Bill and all the people that we know. And I'm once in a while will get a bit of a stomach, but not very often. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah. usually pretty careful with, you know, eating leafy greens and that kind yeah. of things when I go to a new country, just because I'm worried that, you know, whatever's on the leafs or whatever is going to sure. set my system off and ruin the week. The, 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 the thing about these places now, tourism is so huge, they can't afford ha- that happening. You know, they're right on top of it. They are. Hmm. And it, listen, stuff will slip through the cracks or, you know, but it's not like it used to be. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been coming to Mexico, Dan, as you know, for a very long time. And, and it used to be <clears throat> that people wouldn't eat the vegetables because they were grown with the water that had the bacteria in it. But at the grocery store, there's people, it's free range vegetables. I mean, you can buy bag salads and buy the same spinach that you can buy at the Sobeys. But I, I said to Dan, I said, I promise you, you'll, you'll likely be okay. As long as you don't start drinking at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, bring some Imodium, Dan, or go to the store today and get some Ducarol and maybe take that. You still have two weeks before you come, so there are measures that one can take. What's uh, Ducarol? It's an oral vaccine that you can oh. take. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I took it a couple of years ago before I came here, and then I haven't taken it since. But what might scare you off is it's the initial dosage is $150. Yeah, it's a bit much, which is, I think, more than Dan paid for his flight. Dan's, <laughs> Dan's coming down here on like a 1940s uh, DC-3 or some shit. And uh, 
Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> exactly gonna, right. Dan's going to have to like help the guy spin the prop before he gets in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dan's carry-on luggage yeah. is, is, is one of those Red Baron scarves that Snoopy wears in the cartoons. Right. Yes. <laughs> but in the meantime, oh, Dan Duran is here <clears throat> for your dining and dancing pleasure. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. Dandoran, the anchorman comes As has for credentials, he has none Can't tell a headline from his bum But his voice is nice and low Dandoran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang, so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from the matrimonial home of Mr. and Mrs. Gebert Duran here is movie anchorman, television star, and voiceover specialist, Senior Daniel De Duranio. Hey, John Stewart returned to the Daily Show Mondays last night. Refreshing to have him back, I've got to say. And here's I've got a bit here for you. It started out uh, with a, a picture of Biden uh, in a box. So we got Biden in a box. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. The president, unable to recall simple facts, must have been brutal to watch. James Webb. I don't remember the names. I don't remember the name. I don't remember ever buying something for myself. Do you recall what years you were married to Ms. Naples? Um, I mean, I, I don't remember that. Okay, as, as good as my memory is, I don't remember that, but I have a, I have a good so you don't remember saying you have one of the best friends? I, I, I don't remember. remember. <laughs> oh, man. That's all right. That was the wrong... That was the wrong footage. That's the high-functioning candidate <laughs> from nine years ago, unable to recall if he has a good memory. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, John Heilman. We've seen examples over. Anyway, that was uh, that's really good there. It's good to have him back. I uh, watched a, a bunch of clips from the show. Later today, I'm going to sit down and watch. Yeah, when, when, it's, we, it's Comedy Central. Where do we get it in Canada? Is it the Comedy Channel? Is that? Can you get the that Comedy on? Channel? Yeah, I guess you can. Uh, HBO pull it up on, on Crave. It's on Crave. It's on Crave. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Is it on Crave, Daniel? Yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on Crave. That's where okay. I got it. Before. Well, I'm gonna, I believe. Oh yeah, it's Comedy try. Central. Yeah. Um, what's his head? Uh, Bill Maher's on HBO, right? Um, yeah, brilliant. And I was reading some stuff too. Where he, he went off like, you know, almost chastising the country. What are we doing? Like, why are we even considering? Yeah. This orange man, this rapist. Like, why are we even considering? Like, how is this even a thing? Yeah, part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, good for him. That's funny. Great job, Leave it Dan. To him. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, uh, before you get to your second story, may I just insert a sponsor? When the puck drops, it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Check out the latest sports odds and get free tips to help you score this hockey season. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. And now with further um, information. <laughs> Stubby stuff. And now, with further information, here's Dan. Again, the same guy that was doing the report a minute ago is still with us doing more <laughs> reporting. 
leadership requires killing. That's according to Tucker Carlson, who was uh, being interviewed. He said this at the 2024 World Government Summit in Dubai, where we, he was interviewed by Egyptian journalist Ahmad Eldin Adib. Adib asked Carlson why he neglected to ask Putin about pressing topics. Mm-hmm. A White House spokesperson is calling the idea unhinged and the secretary general of... No, oh, I've got the wrong clip there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wrong clip. I apologize for that. I had the clip all ready to go here. but uh, I like the fact that you're now featuring clips, even if they're the wrong ones. It sounds impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Do I you have it? Because I'd love to hear that answer. Weasel. Fucking despicable little weasel. Yeah. That he is. Uh, coming. There's uh, people that like him. Like, oh, I yeah. like Tucker. Yeah. Oh, Tucker's great. Is he? Oh, okay. Okay. So, Dan, do you have the the, the clip? It looks like I've lost the clip. Lo- the clip has been lost. Mm, that's lost too bad. Clip. Lost the clip. Shoot. It was what, just what did we used to call them? Because I, I there was a time very very early on. I did weekend news, and I would have my newscast, and then I'd have the carts that went with the uh, on mm-hmm. the, the uh, what did we call them the. The audio or something else, but it was called the sked or the there was a thing, there was a name a for that. Nah, we, where we sort of have the you had the you had to you recorded the clip you were going to do, and then you had a little right. a piece of copy around it or something. Oh, okay. anyway, wrap around? Maybe, maybe that was it. I don't know. Yeah. Gosh, shoot, I'm really sorry. That's I can't too bad. Actualities, we think we call them actualities. Yeah, actualities, actualities. There you go. That's there right. was actualities yeah. and then wraparounds where wrap you would talk, play the clip, talk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, basically, uh, go well, fuck I, the I, actuality. I, I, I have, I'll have it tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have another actuality. <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear what he said. Yeah. Weasel boy. He said, yeah. weasel. Um, okay, Basically, well, it was we, about, about every leader in the world uh, must kill. kills people. Yeah. Well, they well, do, actually. You know, leader, he's got you know. a point. It's not right. He's not yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not like a yeah, fight. I was thinking about that. You think so? Every leader, like, I don't know, is Justin Trudeau. Uh, he's killed, uh, killed people. Somebody? Come on. <laughs> he's killed people. Speaking of Justin Trudeau, tomorrow on the program, Jackie Delaney returns. Jackie, I've been following her quite a bit. Uh, she has a lot to say about the situation in the Middle East. Which is still going on. You know, it's like uh, the Ukrainian, the Russia invades Ukraine like two years ago. And that was all everyone talked about. And then all two years later, it's like, ah, is that still going on? And uh, the Israel Hamas situation is continuing. And uh, may, if I may, uh, regale you with an anecdote from my personal life. I was talking to my ex-wife yesterday and I said, oh, you know, everything's great. We're talking about with the kids and what's everybody doing and. She reveals to me that my youngest is on uh, the way, on her way to a pro-Palestinian um, demonstration in Toronto. And I said, well, that's, that's too bad. And I said, what did you tell her? <laughs> this is Randy. This is what Randy tells Spencer. I said to her, okay, you can go to the pro-Palestinian part. Or, you know, no, you go to the, stand with the ceasefire people, not with the, we hate the Jews people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that's why I laughed. I said, well, if she, can, if she can find a way to make that distinction, that would be great. Yeah, I told her to stand, go stand with the ceasefire people. We can all get behind ceasefire. Don't stand with the 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 Jews. All the groups are in the protest. (laughs) Divide it up. Try not to, (laughs) honey, honey, try not to stand with the we hate the Jews people. (laughs) Anyhow, Jackie will be here tomorrow. We'll talk uh, Canadian politics and some of the stuff that has been going on 
with uh, the Middle East. And then, of course, the Sherpa returns tomorrow morning, which will be nice. Dan, great job today. Thanks to Bill Brio today. Freddie, uh, you off? Uh, you got a bocce tournament? That's what's happening? Yeah, I'm going to play a little bocce today. Take a walk up the beach, as I have been, and hand in hand with my little darling, who... Uh, Hope you, you guys know. can work things out. Well, we got a lot. We got a lot. You know, we got a yeah, between now and March fourteenth. We got a lot of uh, you know, right. loving to do. Countdown is on. Yeah, you have a yeah. lot of what to do. A lot of loving to do. Well, I, I thought you were going to be working on your relationship. <laughs> you don't want to. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't want to drive her away even further. Mm, yeah. Right. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow. What about the the oh, bocce beach guys? What about? Oh, I was just going to ask you. Like, we just go up and challenge a couple of randos. Yes, yeah, just like kick sand in people's faces. <laughs> no, it's me and Buddy Doug. His brother's down here with a friend of his. And uh, oh. we're, that's going to be the yeah, Dan, uh, foursome it's, today. It's, a, it's not an official bocce. It's a, it's a friendly. Mm. It's a bocce mm-hmm. friendly. It's a friendly. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll see mm-hmm. you all tomorrow. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and Lender's Choice Mortgages. For contests and comments, we read the emails at humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. That's humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. So tell us what you think. And something you can do for us is tell your friends about us, ask them to subscribe, maybe rate a podcast. There's lots of things that we would appreciate you doing for us. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, the making flyer industry is a failing one, according to Fred. So don't do that, but do enjoy every Gordan day. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone, bottles and cans, just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?